welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. We are in the middle, or actually right at the end, of our Thrive series, looking at if we are an Easter people, if we are a people of the resurrection, if we know that Jesus Christ is fully alive, how does that affect how we live our lives? How does that change how we live? How do we thrive and be people of the resurrection? And today we're going to be talking about one of the key Wesleyan distinctions, one of the key Methodist distinctions, the assurance of salvation. The assurance of salvation that we can know deep within our souls that we are saved and that we are beloved by God. And this is so important in our faith that if we are going to be a people who thrive, If we are going to be a people who live into all that God has for us, we need to fundamentally be a people who know who we belong to. We need to be a people who know whose we are, knowing who we belong to. I've said this before, but it's something that I've struggled with for so long. Knowing in my heart, do I really belong to God? Am I really His? Does He truly love me unconditionally? Because that's where real transformation starts, is knowing deep within your heart and soul that we are loved and beloved by God. Oftentimes what I have found in my life is I substitute knowing God in my heart with a striving to earn God's love. That if, I, if I'm smart enough, if I have the right theology, if I'm good enough, if I have good enough grades, that if I can do all these right practices, that if I can strive hard enough and for long enough, then I can earn God's love for me. What we find is that the Christian faith is the exact opposite. That we can never strive hard enough to earn God's love because it's already there. I had to reach the end of my rope to see that all this striving and doing doesn't earn God's love for me. I don't think this is just a me problem. I think this is a human problem. If we don't know who we belong to, how can we be a people who thrive? This is a problem that we've seen ever since the garden. Did God really say that seed of doubt. Do we really belong to God? Are we really His? Does He really have our best interest out for us? We're always striving to earn God's love. It's not a way to live because we can never be good enough. We know that we're loved and then we step into obedience in response to the love of God, not the other way around. Uh, I was reading a book this week um, and he had this quote from Henry Nowen, the Catholic priest, and he said, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. I call us beloved, not you beloved. I calls us beloved. Because the reality is if if we're harsh on ourselves and we hate ourselves and we're having all this negative self-talk and we truly don't believe that God loves us, if we're not receiving the love of God into our hearts, then we can't receive all that God wants for us because we're keeping God at arm's length. This other quote in the same chapter that I read, he said this, or Leanna Payne, she said this, if we are busy hating the soul that God loves and is in the process of straightening out, we cannot help others. And our minds will be riveted on ourselves, not on Christ, who is our wholeness. 
this person that God loves is the new self in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the resurrection, that we are able to stand in a place of belovedness before the Father. So what does Scripture say about this problem that all of us have? We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are His children, then we are His heirs, heirs with Christ, heirs with God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. The Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see in the scripture the dramatic shift that happens in the life of the human being for those who are in Christ, that it's a shift from no longer being a slave to living in freedom, no longer being fearful, rather our soul, our spirit gets to cry out to God, Abba, Father. It's this divine exchange that happens where we go from being people who were fearful of God, almost cowering from a tyrant, to people who know that we are people who are radically beloved by a Father who cherishes us and brings us into the family, adopts us into the household and the family of God. We are adopted into God's family. Just, I think we get so used to Scripture that we're not catching the radicalness of what Paul is talking about here. That we get to call the God of the universe, the God who made galaxies just so they can reflect His glory, galaxies far away that we have no idea what they look like, that all shout and scream about the splendor of the Almighty. That we are brought into the family of that God into the mighty and splendor of that God, and we get to call Him Abba, Father. The intimacy that the Lord desires to have with each and every single one of us because He loves us. And we get to be an heir of the King of Kings. We get to uh, be brought into the glory that is for Jesus is also for us because we are co-heirs and brothers with Christ, brothers and sisters with Christ. This is all done because of Jesus and the Spirit of God and the sacrifice of Christ that opens up the door for each and every single one of us. Uh, The Wesleyan theology, Methodist theology, can be summed up in this. All can be saved, all can know they are saved, and all can be saved to the utmost. That all of us can be brought into the family of God and we can know deep within our souls that we belong to God, we are His, and He is ours. That the love of God gets poured out into our hearts and we get to be called children of God. That the Christian faith is not about striving for God's love. It's about dwelling with our Papa who already loves us. And we get to call Him Father and have deep and rich intimacy with God that we are adopted into sonship, into daughtership with God. And God brings us into the family. It's this image that Paul is painting of deep rich relationship and love that is poured into our hearts.
Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. I was listening to a pastor this week, and he said that God whispers to us because God desires intimacy over entertainment. That God whispers quietly, and it makes us go, what's that, Lord? And he invites us closer. Come closer so you can hear me. I'm whispering so that you can come close and be near me. God whispers because he desires intimacy over entertainment. When we don't have this intimacy with God, when we don't have this deep relationship with the Lord, when we don't have this sense of knowing that we are His, we substitute intimacy for entertainment. That we seek entertainment from the world. We seek entertainment from our churches even. Maybe bouncing from one church to the next to see if the next one will entertain us. Seek entertainment from our relationships or seek entertainment from the world, because when there's an intimacy that we have with one another and with God, there is a vulnerability of being fully known by someone else. But if we're not fully known, we can't be fully intimate with God. And the Lord who fully knows us desires to fully love us and be fully known to us. Knowing that we are loved in our souls is an essential transformational step in discipleship. You cannot skip over it. John Wesley knew about this. We celebrated Aldersgate Day. Uh, The transformational moment in the Wesleyan revival. For those of you who don't know what the Aldersgate Day is, so John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he had this sort of assurance of salvation deep within his soul. It was the spark that lit the fire of the Methodist revival, the great bonfire that we are still recipients of today. And it started with this assurance that John and Charles Wesley got. John writes in his journal about this assurance of salvation. He said this, While he, the pastor, was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That this is what Paul is talking about here when he says, our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, our hearts know that we are the children of God, that this experience that John Wesley had, he says, is something that everyone who is born of God can experience, that we can know we are His. Our hearts can cry out, Abba, Father. John Wesley, he wrote a sermon about this very passage, and he says this, we must love God before we can be holy at all. This being the root of all holiness, that the love of God is the root of holiness. Now we cannot love God till we know He loves us. And we cannot know His pardoning love for us, or pardoning love to us, till His Spirit witnesses it to our spirits. That all this talk of holiness, which is the, the, we can be saved to the utmost, this desire for sanctification, this desire to become more like God, it all starts fundamentally, as John Wesley says, knowing that we are loved by God. 
which allows us to love him back and step into obedience. That this is the first step of holiness, and I would say this is the first step in thriving, is knowing that we are loved by God. John Wesley writes a little bit later about this reality that the Spirit witnesses to our soul that we are his and we are loved by his. John Wesley writes this, We know that the Spirit of God does give a believer such a testimony of adoption, that while it is present to the soul, he can no more doubt the reality of his sonship than he can doubt the shining of the sun while he stands in the full blaze of its beams. Just I love that image of knowing that we are loved by God, having that assurance of salvation is like standing in the sun and feeling the warmth of the sun on our skin. That is what it's like in the Christian life. And this was the spark of the Methodist revival. This was the spark of the Methodist revival. And I would say that what was once a mighty bonfire, the fire is seemingly starting to die. And there are embers. But the mighty movement of the Spirit can once again blow over those embers to spark a new revival, to spark a new bonfire, to spark and ignite a new revival in our community and in this country? Do we desire for the Spirit to move in our midst? Do we desire more of God? Do we desire to see a mighty wave of God rush over our land, rush over us like it did for our forefathers and foremothers? Do we desire that? Or are we content with the embers that we have? Do we desire for the Spirit to come and set a new spark in each and every single one of us that we belong to God? Because when we belong to God, it changes how we go out into the world. That knowing whose we are allows us to be bold into a world that is actively hostile to us and is actually becoming more and more actively hostile to the church. But we can stand and go into that world because we know who we belong to. That knowing whose we are, knowing that we're beloved by God, allows us to look at a dark world and say, I can endure whatever this world's going to throw at me because I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know who loves me. I know who the creator of the universe says that I am. It allows us to face whatever darkness we have to go up against. And we can stand against it because we know where our source is from. We know that we are not slaves living in fear anymore. We're not slaves living in darkness. But we are sons and daughters of the living God. And that allows us to look at the world and say, I will stand up for Jesus. I will witness for Jesus. I will love like Jesus. I can do whatever the world will throw at me because I know who I belong to. This is what allowed the early church to face persecution, to go into the lion's den, to be burned at the stake, to be crucified, to die because they knew that they belonged to God and that there was nothing this world could do that could ever take that away from them. That we are not just sons and daughters of God, but heirs and co-heirs with Christ that all the riches of God are ours in Jesus, that we have an inheritance, friends. We have an inheritance in heaven that is greater than anything that is in front of us right now, greater than the inheritance of any billionaire because we have Christ and we have the riches that await us in eternal glory. And anything this world throws at us pales in comparison 
to the greatness and beauty of what God has in store for us. Uh, Mike Pilavachi, who's a pastor that I like to listen to, he was actually uh, Matt Redman who wrote 10,000 Reasons. He's Matt Redman's pastor. Um, he was telling a story that I was listening to on a sermon this week where he said he was up here preaching and he felt like he got a word from the Lord. And the word was this. He said that there's someone here who's an atheist. He doesn't know me and he's been mocking everything that's been going on. And his friends brought him to the conference and he's mocking everything to his friends saying, this is all nonsense, this is stupid. And then the Lord said to him, he just prayed to me for the first time. And he said to me, if this is true, if this is real, God, would you speak to me now and show me? And then he said, and then the Lord said to me, and his name is Brian. And so Mike gives that word and he says that immediately this 15-year-old boy came forward just sobbing and just collapsed at the front of the altar and his friends came around him and prayed for him and it said that he received Christ that day and what I loved is what Mike said is after that transformation, after that encounter that Brian had with the Lord, he went around the whole camp and he was going up to strangers saying to people, he knows my name, he knows my name. And the scripture tells us that God has his name engraved on the palm of his hand. That, friends, that God knows your name. That God profoundly and deeply loves you. That our belovedness pales in comparison to anything else this world can throw at us. What would it be like if we were like Brian, where we knew deep within our souls, God knows my name. And we could go around sharing that reality with those around us. And so how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this? That we need to be a people who ask for this assurance, who ask for God to speak to us like he did for Brian, to rain his divine love into the depths of our hearts like he says he'll do here in Romans, like he says he'll do here in Ephesians, like he says all throughout his scripture that God desires to tell his people that he loves them and cares for them. And that we can stand in our belovedness and then step into obedience, step into holiness, step into all that God has for us to be a people who can truly thrive because we know that we are standing in the light of the love of God. That being loved leads to obedience. Being loved leads to loving God back, which looks like holiness and obedience. If we desire to be a people who thrive, we need to be a people who know we're loved. We want revival to come again. We desire an awakening to happen again, which I do, and I hope you do too. We need to see a holy fire rain down on us, just like it did for John and Charles. We need to be a people who are so transformed inwardly in our souls that we can't help cry out, Abba, Father. I want to close with this story. Um, Alan Hood, who is the president of IHOP University, which is not the pancake place. <laughs> IHOP stands for International House of Prayer. It's a church up in uh, Kansas City. And he was uh, speaking on a podcast, the New Room podcast, Yard of Holiness, I was listening to. And he, he experienced a revival when he was the president of IHOP University. And he said that over a 10-month period, they had over 1,500 people get baptized and saw over 7,000 healings happen. And he said that when the Spirit began to move in his campus, the first time that the Spirit really began to move powerfully 
was when they began to address the issue of self-hatred. And he said this, that these people, meaning us, us, we grow up in front of the modern mirror, and every day we come into agreement with devils in our bathrooms and our bedrooms about our fears and hatreds of ourselves. The fear that their spouse won't like this or that, that this part is too small, this part is too big, this is too curly, this is too straight. And he said that when he was preaching, he felt the Lord say, deal with this issue of self-hatred. And he said that when they started to preach against it and pray for it and lean into God, bringing healing against that self-hatred, that the Spirit just poured itself out like an abundance of oil over that area. That, friends, this is the work of the church. This is the work of the Spirit to bring forth our darkness before God, to bring forth all the areas of our lives that we hate about ourselves, to bring forward all the sin that we hate about ourselves, all these things that we look in the mirror that we hate about ourselves and say, Lord, I need you to call me beloved. Lord, I need you to tell me that you love me because I can't do it on my own. That was the spark of the Methodist revival. It was the spark of the revival that Alan Hood experienced. And it can be the spark that we experience for revival in our community. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, We've heard the word proclaimed and we are called to respond with a creed that we have used since the 5th century. So think about all of the persons who've come before you will say this affirmation of faith. Let us join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, Saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body.